Is that right? That's it. That's it right there. If you don't know this song, you can try it. And Brother Robbie has decided that it's not in the book, so he's going to pass it off to me. So if I mess it up, then that's all right. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. And uh, there's a song that goes along with that. I just began to live. How many of you ever heard that song? Well, we got some help then. All right, let's try it. All right, Red. I just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. Old things have passed away. I have a brighter day. My name's been written up above. I just began to live. Have you never heard that before? Well, we just sang it now. Come on now. Let's just go up a half a step. Let's go up a half a step there. How do you do that, Hobart? Does I do it like this? Like that right there. <laughs> I just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. Old things have passed away. I have a brighter day. My name's recorded up above. I just began. Time, one more time now. If you save, sing it out. This might be our last chance before the rapture. All right, you ready? I just began to live. I just began to live. When God's amazing grace came in, I just began to live. Old things have passed away. I I like that. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1 in your Bible. <clears throat> We've been going through the book of Philippians, and I had really kind of chosen to go through it on Wednesday night, but because uh, Wednesday night I will not be able to be here this coming Wednesday night, and then tonight we have... Um, we have our award ceremony with Soldiers of Christ. I felt like we ought to just go ahead and look at this passage today. So if you have your Bible, Philemon, small little book close to the end of the book of Revelation, right at the end of your Bible, and a book that only has one chapter, 25 verses, the story is about a man that is a believer who has a means and the church meets in his house. And he has a servant by the name of Onesimus that's run away. And God took an entire book of the Bible, one chapter, to hold that story in front of us. And I particularly think today, if we'll look at it, maybe we'll be able to get some really good instruction on this. But we've already come through the first three verses, but let's just read all the way down through verse 7 this morning together. Verse number 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphius, some think that's his wife, and Archippus, some think that's his son, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, please help us today to say only that which you want said. Help us to say everything that you want said, that nothing would be left out today. Help us as we look into this book, to this these verses that you would write on our hearts, the truth that we need, and God, that we would leave today better than when we came in, not because of the message quality, but because of the power of your Bible to change hearts and lives. 
And I pray you do it for Jesus' sake and His glory if we ask it in His name. Amen. Um, I think what I want to do is I want to preach this morning on something I think is found in Philemon. Now, you could say this is the commendation of Philemon. I have a Schofield Bible. If you look above verse number 4, if you have a Schofield Bible, you'll see the phrase, the character of Philemon. So whatever you want to call this today, Christian character, Philemon's character, there is definitely an emphasis being placed on what is inside Philemon instead of what he has the means and ability to do. For instance, he is definitely a believer, but he is a man of means because the church meets in his house. He's got to have a large enough house for the church to meet inside of it. And we know that he has a servant by the name of Onesimus. Probably not the only servant he has. So he probably has means. He's probably taken and given. The passage would indicate that he has given help to other people. He's opened up his wallet. He's opened up his resources. He's helped people on their way. He's been kind to believers. But that's not what the Holy Ghost is emphasizing in these three verses here in verses 5, 6, and 7, it's not emphasizing what's in Philemon or it's not emphasizing what his abilities are. It's emphasizing what's on the inside of Philemon, his character. It's emphasizing what he is on the inside more than the outside. Now, if you were to ask somebody about what is Christian character, some might say honesty. I think honesty would be at the top of the list. Aren't you glad we have a God that cannot lie? Amen. Amen. Just the opposite of Satan. He's a liar from the beginning. You know, some might say, well, faithfulness. Boy, aren't you glad we have a faithful God? If there's anybody that should be faithful in this world, it ought to be a person that's born again believer. We have a faithful God. Or maybe selflessness. Selflessness. Where we take and we put off ourselves for the benefit of somebody else. Aren't you glad we had a Savior that left heaven to come down and die for our sins? Selflessness. But that's not the character that's highlighted in the passage. I think all of those are great. Bob Jones Sr. said you can borrow brains, but you can't borrow character. That character is what you are when nobody else is around. That's what you are on the inside. And I think the Holy Ghost highlights that for us this morning, and I think there's a lot that we can get from that. If you look at verse 5, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So if you want the abbreviated version, there's your two points, the character of love and the character of faith. That's what's being highlighted in the passage. Now, he says, hearing of thy love. And that reminds me that sometimes you hear about somebody's testimony or you hear about their character even when you don't get to see it. Uh, there is definitely in the book of John, 3 John says that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I misquoted that for a long time. I always tried to make that, that I have no greater joy than my children walk in the truth. It says to hear. In other words, there's not a visual watching. There's not a sight that's taking place. Oh, look, he's doing right. Or maybe an enjoyment. Oh, look, what, look, look, look how much character that's being shown. Look at the honesty. Look at the hard work. He said, hearing of thy love and faith, which leads me to a very interesting supposition here. Where did he hear about that? Where did Paul hear about the love and the faith that Philemon had? You know what is probable? He probably heard that from Onesimus. He heard that from a man that's on the run from his master that probably did something to put himself in a position to be prosecuted, which Rome would have had no problem with that, but probably did something to put himself in a very difficult spot. And yet what happened to Onesimus, Onesimus got born again. And when Onesimus got born again, you know what it did? It caused him to look at the man that he used to work underneath a lot differently. Can I say to you, when you get born again, there's a lot of things that change in life. The way you look at other people, the way you look at principles in life. I, listen, maybe before you got saved, you looked at the bar and you thought, what a great place to be. And what a, what a, what a happening place. What a, what a socially enjoyable place. After you get born again, I'd rather be sitting in church with a Bible in my hand, hearing somebody sing about Jesus Christ. Something's changed on the inside. Brother Cofty never spoke here, at least not for me. I think he did speak here, but Brother Cofty was my principal in uh, Christian school in the 11th grade. And uh, 
and he decided that I no longer had the character to be in a Christian school. Um, he didn't doubt my salvation. He just said, you don't have the character to be here. You're not going to be a leader in the school. So he kicked me out of school. He took away my opportunity to play my senior year on the state championship team that we finally won after losing three in a row. Wouldn't even let me stay in the gym. When I'd come in the gym and I'm cheering with my friends and guys that I'm playing with, he came over to me, walked right over to me. He said, need to see you outside. Took me outside and he said, you can't be in the gym. I said, what do you mean I can't be in the gym? He said, you can't be in the gym. You're a bad influence. How many of you think I did not like Chuck Coffey? <laughs> the word hate might be a stronger word. I, I, I did. I, but then I got right with God at 23. And one day I got a call from my little brother, and he said, you won't believe who I had come preach for me. I said, who? He said, Chuck Coughton. Boy, I mean, immediately, you know how blood, your thing, things happen. You can't keep them from happening. It just all began to rise. And I, and I said, why'd you have him preach for? He said, Joel, he did a great job. I wish that he said he just did a terrible job. He's the same old guy he was when we knew him. And so I called him up and I said, would you come preach for me? And we developed a friendship. And he would come and not only would he preach revival meetings for us, but he would preach our wild game supper. And we might have as many as three, 400 men to show up at our wild game supper. And we'd see 10, 15 men trust Christ with him preaching 50 men. I'm telling you, when you get born again, it changes the way you look at people. It changes the way children look at their parents. It changes the way spouses look at one another. It changes the way people look at neighbors. And so I think it's very likely that Onesimus, because he got saved, this letter is going back to the Apostle Paul, and I believe, I believe it's very likely, it's very likely that he's the one giving the good report to the Apostle Paul about Philemon. But I want you to look there at those two pieces of character, thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So many of the newer versions have a problem with the way that's worded. Um, they think it ought to be love toward the saints, faith toward Jesus. And um, there are other instances of that. But what I would remind you of, if you look at it again, the Bible has it written exactly the way God wanted it. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. I'm sure you remember when Jesus was asked in Matthew 26, what is the great commandment? And he replied, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And then he said, and the second commandment is like unto this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I don't think there's any problem with what's written here. I think there's a problem with us trying to take and put that into our life and practice. Look at it again. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus. Well, I'm in on that one. Praise the Lord. We, we love Jesus and we put faith in him. And then he says, and toward, can you say that next little three-letter word? What does it say in your Bible? Let's try that one more time. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all, all saints. How many of you think all means all? It's kind of like a drunk that knows that in the Bible Jesus turned water into wine but can't tell you where it is. That's his ground that he stands on to be able to defend his alcoholism. And there are people that say, well, all couldn't mean all. And it couldn't mean love or faith toward the saints, toward believers. That can't be worded that way. But I'm going to take it exactly as it's written here that God wants us to have love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And that's exactly what Onesimus enjoyed or rather what Philemon showed to other people. So number one, let me say this. You ought to love Jesus. Can I say, can I say that, that ought to have a good amen right there? You ought to love Jesus. Loving Jesus ought not to be something that comes from a warm, fuzzy feeling. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that Jesus Christ, the Bible says of him, that we love him because he first loved us. If there's any reason in the world you ought to love Jesus because he loved you. He loved you when you were in your sin. He loved you when you were away from God. He loved you when you didn't care about the Bible. He loved you when you took his name in vain. He loved you when you cursed other I'm telling you, Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, and the Bible says God so loved the world. It was unconditional. We've got a God that loved us unconditionally. If there's any reason we ought to love him, it's because he first loved us. He loved us. The Bible's very clear that love to Jesus is something right. And if, and if you love Jesus, the Bible says people will know it. Did you know that? 
You know, in 1 Corinthians 8, it says, if any man love God, the same is known of him. Every now and then you have to, you see somebody that's got a t-shirt on that says something, you know, I, you know, I, I love Jesus or something like that. You, you, know, you don't have to wear a t-shirt if you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, somebody else is going to know that about you. Amen. By the way, you talk about them. My daughter, my, my uh, middle daughter, my middle daughter, she has, uh, she, she, got a, she got an animal. We have... <laughs> We had one dog to leave with my oldest daughter. We have another dog that came in with my middle daughter. And uh, the dog is, uh, the dog came from, I guess, a rescue mission. And, and the dog is something that, that she loves and she appreciates and, and it loves her. And they, they have a mutuality that goes on there that's really, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to see. Hasn't been in our house very long, and when she comes home, the dog waits for her to get home, sees her, and then he comes running to her. And that dog loves her. I know that dog loves her, not because of everything's been done in its life, because she's only known him for a little while. That dog loves her because she loves him. That dog really doesn't have anything to offer. That dog's going to cost money. Can I get an amen on that? That dog's going to have other problems that we may not even know about right now, but it doesn't really matter because that dog, that dog, that dog is something that is loved by the person that has brought it into their life. And I'm telling you, are you listening to me this morning? I'm, we ought to be glad that we have a God in heaven that loved us, and we ought to reciprocate that. I, we ought to love Jesus Christ. It ought not to be something somebody's got to figure out. If, if loving Jesus makes you uncomfortable, then why? Why would you be uncomfortable loving somebody that hung on the cross of Calvary and allowed spit to run down their face and allowed their back to be ripped open by a Roman skirt? Why would you be ashamed of somebody? Hey, we ought to love somebody like that. Yes. The Bible says Philemon loved Jesus. But then the Bible also says that he must have loved the saints. Do you see that? Thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So he, he loved believers. He loved people that probably didn't love him. He loved people that maybe didn't have as much light as he had. The church is in his house. There are, how many of you believe there are people that are born again that do not have half the knowledge of the Bible that you have from sitting here at Tabernacle Baptist Church? You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to be an independent Baptist to be born again. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we're an independent Baptist. We believe it's nearest to the Bible and it's the New Testament church as near as you can be. But there are people that don't know and they have problems with doctrine. But if they love Jesus, we probably ought to love them. Amen. Come on now. Amen. If they love Jesus, we probably ought to love them. Amen. After all, he probably loves them. And all I'm just saying is, is that some people, they, they have, they have little, less light. Uh, there are some people that have, the Bible says, listen, before you take the mote that's out of your brother's eye, you need to take the beam out of your eye. How many think a beam is probably pretty big? Now, maybe you've never walked around with a beam in your eye, figuratively. Some problem that you have, some flaw in your character, some, some thing that's just very hard for others to deal with. And every now and then you bump into something, I you're banging into things and knocking things over. And you know what? I'm just saying this. The Bible says love to all saints. Philemon must have had the ability to love people because he knew that God loved him. Amen. Do you understand that? God loved him. That's unconditional love. You can read about that in Luke chapter 6. The Bible says, if you only love those that love you, you what thank have ye? Right. You know, the Bible says you're supposed to love your enemy. That's what the Bible says. Now, that doesn't mean you send them birthday cards and Christmas presents and, you know, you invite them over for lunch. The, love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Love is cherishing a soul. Listen, every soul inside of every person on this planet is valuable in God's eyes. Every soul. And I'm just saying the Bible's very clear that that's a choice, and so he must have made that choice. And when I think about him making that choice, there had to be people that were so different from him. I'm glad that we have a church full of people that are different. <laughs> Come on, you would not want to go to a church if everybody was like you, would you? Can you, listen, you ladies, if you showed up today and everybody had exactly the same dress on, same shoes, same purse, same hairstyle, I mean, when somebody came in, what would they think about us? They'd think we're a cult. <laughs> they, they, 
they would stay away from the Kool-Aid and the water fountain. That's what they would do. Why is everybody the same around here? We're different. We're different ages. We're different sizes. We have different personalities. We have different intellect. We have different ability. We have different tastes in things. That's all right. You can still love somebody that's not like you. Y'all don't seem excited about that point. If Jesus didn't love people that weren't like him, none of us would be loved. All right, so he's loving people that are different from him. Philemon is loving people that, that are not like him. He is a, he is a man of means. Your, his social economic status would be different than a lot of people because he has a house and he has servants and he probably has money and who knows about his education, but he, ha he has something a lot of people wouldn't have, but he still, the Bible says again, the love and the faith that he had toward all saints. Amen. All saints. You say, that is not possible. You know, I think I would agree with you. So if you would, write out beside verse number 5, Romans 5, 5. Can you write that out beside Romans 5, 5 in your Bible? Romans 5, 5. Romans 5, 5 says this, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. You know, the only way I think I can love people different from me is if the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Right. And not only can love my enemies and love people that aren't like me, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. In other words, you listen, are you listening to me? You can sit here and you can say, I will love them, I will love them, I will love them, I will love them, I will love them. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take God working in your heart to be able to do what you're supposed to do. It's the same reason that so many of us, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to say this. How many of you feel like that we've known each other? When I say we, I'm talking about me as your pastor and you as, how many of you feel like we've known each other for a long time? Anybody? I can see somebody saying, oh, it's been a long time, preacher. Long time. How is that true? How is that possible? How is that possible? It has to be the Holy Ghost living inside of us. Because some of us have only known each other for five years. Some even less, some two years, some a year, some not even six months. But yet there's something inside that says, you know what, that's family. Those, peop th those people are the plugged in the right place. And all I'm saying, that comes from God. Don't you agree with that? Amen. Well, then so does the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts toward all saints. That's good character. But that's a character that God has to help you with. That's a character that you just can't get by, you know, buying cards and, and, and coming up with nice sayings. That's something that God has to work down in your heart, in my heart. And then look what else he says. Not just love, but then look what else he says. He says in verse number five, faith, faith toward the Lord Jesus. How many believe that Jesus' words are words you can trust? I, the longer I live, the more I'm convinced you cannot trust half of what you hear on the television. In, in fact, if I wanted to get my news, I would not turn on the news to get my news. I'll, I'll even go a step further. Syndicated news, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, um, ABC, CBS, I, I would not go to any large, I would go to a local news channel before I'd ever go to a national news channel. I wouldn't trust what, and by the way, by the way, you do know that just because it's posted on Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you do know that that's not necessarily been vetted. Oh, it's true. <laughs> Probably not. I remember we had, a, we had a young man in our church, and this is just right back when people started doing all their social media accounts, and we found out he had a social media account. Youth pastor, he said, Pastor? So-and-so's got a social media account. I said, they do. I said, what does it say? He said, you ain't going to believe it. Look at it. So this kid goes online, and he starts putting in all these things that he has as hobbies. And some of them were like, I love sports. I love water skiing. I, and I thought, uh, he, he, he can't roll a ball across the floor. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that he ever been skiing in his entire life. Well, but I did it on a video game. Okay, that works. 
Do you know you don't have to worry about this book right here? Every single thing written in this book you can absolutely count on. You can absolutely believe. You say, but yeah, but, but men wrote it. No, that's where you're wrong. Men didn't write this book. God wrote this book. I read this week in Luke, I think it's chapter 17. The Bible, no, it's not, it's not 17. It's a little bit farther past that. But the Bible says that Jesus, that he was going to fulfill all that was spoken of him by the prophets. Everything, he fulfilled everything spoken about him thousands of years in advance. And he did it without missing any single prophecy. You say, how did he do that? Because he's God and this is God's book, not man's book. Yeah. Right. So we can trust, we can put our faith, our confidence in Jesus. Well, you can't put it in somebody else, you can put it in him. But then that faith toward all saints. Now that's, that's a complex statement there, in my opinion. I, I think there's probably two things that are, that are going on in that passage. And the first one, if you'll put a little mark in Philemon, and go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's just a few pages back to your left. I think there's two possibilities about having faith toward all saints. In other words, having a confidence toward all saints. And, and I think this is, this is probably at least one application of that. Having character of love and of faith toward Jesus Christ and toward all saints. Look what the Bible says in verse number 16, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself, he's talking to Timothy, and unto the doctrine. All right, that's, that's what's given in the scripture. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. When I preach the Bible, my expectation is that people respond to what's being preached because I believe this book is right. That's a confidence that I feel like I need to have. When you knock on a door and you give somebody the gospel, I think you ought to believe that if they'll accept what you tell them, that they'll be born again. Amen. And what I'm saying is that I think that part of having faith toward all saints is, is that those saints will believe what's in the Bible. In fact, let me say this. I think it is bizarre that believers don't believe the Bible. In other words, if I find a truth in here, I don't understand why somebody else has got to go to the Greek language or, or go to a new Bible to try to get rid of it. If it's in the Bible, I thought we ought to, embr we ought to embrace what's in here. Amen. That's normal to me. So when he says faith toward all saints, perhaps he means that. Or perhaps he means this. Go back to Philemon. The Bible says there in verse 21 having confidence in thy obedience, that would be the Bible. I wrote unto thee knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. When I looked up the word confidence, I was surprised where it showed up in the New Testament. Confidence shows up in the church of Corinth. How many of you think that Corinth was a carnal church? They had people there that were practicing incest. They had people there that got drunk at the Lord's Supper. They had people there that were speaking in tongues and all kinds. They had so many things going on. And yet, multiple times, the Apostle Paul said, I've got confidence. And the same thing's true of the church of Galatia. Judaizers saying, you know what? It's not just faith, but you also got to add to it keeping the law. And he said, I've got confidence. And when he looks and says right here that I've got confidence that you'll do more, more than I say. Maybe he's, maybe he's saying that same thing about being a second-mile Christian we heard preached here not too long ago. That I'm going to put confidence in you that when you see what's right, that you're going to go beyond what you find there. And, and I'm saying his idea is that if it's in the Bible that somebody will take that, and I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that charity believeth all things and thinketh no evil. Maybe I should say it this way. Don't you think we ought to give believers the benefit of the doubt? Come on, how many of you want the benefit of the doubt given to you? If it's in the Bible, I'm going to trust they're going to follow it. And not just follow, they're going to go beyond that. They're going to do more than I say because I've got confidence in them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to have faith toward Jesus and toward all saints. I think that's a really strong position. That's really good character. Now, uh, well, I know I've been going long already, and I've still got two pages left. 
if you look now at verse number 6, he tells you about the character. So love and faith. So maybe I should ask ourselves this question. I'm saying myself. So how do you measure up on the love aspect? Loving Jesus, loving others. What about the faith aspect? Believing Jesus, putting confidence in others. And then he says this, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, not just the character defined, but the character communicated. Look at it again. That the communication of thy faith. In other words, commu communication can be giving. All right, that's a definition. Giving something to someone. Or it can be speaking something to someone. Instruction. All right. So when he says the communication of thy faith, I think he's talking about the giving, the, the imparting of whatever, whatever is being passed toward them. And that may come in the way of kindness. That may come in the way of uh, a coffee, a, a something to eat. It may come in the way of comfort. Maybe somebody providing a service, some kind of help. You know, I, I, don't think that, I don't think it's wrong to do good works to other people. I think it's a good thing. If you're born again, you ought to treat other people with kindness. You ought to treat other people with, with goodness. And so when he says that, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual, in other words, it's not just what's on the inside, but what is being seen by others, what's touching their lives. How many think there's a lot of people that can say one thing and do something completely different? Absolutely. Well, he's saying... Your faith needs to be communicated that what's in you is actually being worked out. And then he makes this word effectual, that it might have some effect to it, that it produces something. In other words, your love for Jesus, come on now, your love for Jesus ought to produce something. Your love for the brethren ought to produce something. Your faith in Jesus ought to produce something. It ought not just to be some kind of mental ascent that we give. And your faith in the brethren ought to produce something as well. In other words, it's not just about holding a position. It's about producing something. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth what? Much. Effectual. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that they receive the word of God as it is in truth, not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, that effectually worketh in you that believe. It's producing something. So what he says is your character ought to be something that produces an effect. Now look at, look at the next thing it says. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. Mm. I'm, I'm going to start a verse. Maybe you can quote it for me, finish it for me. In my flesh dwelleth. Mm. Now read that again now with me that it may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. So there's good things, and so I believe there are good things in people. They're, they're not all bad things. I think sometimes you need to recognize the good things. Just like you can take and you can educate somebody. There's nothing wrong with education. We have a Christian school. We have a college. We want to help instruct and train people. There's nothing wrong with getting training in the military and learning discipline. Nothing wrong with getting training in athletics and learning how to take and put your body into a specific shape. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with counseling and somebody sitting and talking to someone. But what I believe about that is this, that those things might make you a better person. But when you look at it, look at it, it says, every good thing which is in you, can you say the next three words with me? Come on, let's try it again. Acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, verse 6, last three words, so the good things in you are in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to be difficult. Education, training, all of those things cannot do for you what Jesus Christ can do for you. In other words, what's in me came through Jesus Christ. Help me out with that. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? I'm not a better creature. I'm a new creature. I'm not somebody that turned over a new leaf and got into the right program. I'm somebody that got a brand new life and somebody now is living on the inside that wasn't there before. Amen. That's where all of that love and that faith can be generated from. There's a deep well on the inside because now my body, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. There's new management on the inside. 
And he's saying because of that, that ought to be communicated effectually because you got something now you didn't have. How many of you are glad you got peace now when you didn't used to have it? Listen, I know the world doesn't believe it. Maybe there's somebody listening by the way of the radio. I'm telling you there's a peace that Jesus gives that you can't find anywhere in the world. There is a comfort that comes from the Holy Ghost and God that you cannot get anywhere else in the world. Not from your spouse, not from your parents, not from your best friends. Hey, it only comes from God. And it's real. It's not something generated in our mind. And I tell you what, the best is yet to come. I tell you, one day I'm going to get a brand new body. How about you? I'm promised that I'm going to get a brand new body. That's a blessing. I think I'll say that again. We get a brand new body. Get a brand new body. You say, why do you get a brand new body? Jesus came up with a glorified body. We're going to see him as he is, and we're going to be made into his likeness. I'm going to get a brand new body. I've got a home in heaven that can't be taxed. Right. That won't need repair. A mansion, a home whose builder and maker is God. So when he says in the passage, listen, Philemon, I want you to know that I've heard of your love and your faith toward Jesus and toward the saints, and it needs to be communicated effectually by that good thing, every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You've got something in you that's producing that character. So what I'm trying to say is this. You can't have love toward Jesus Christ and faith toward Jesus Christ if you hadn't been born again. Now listen to me. And the same order is true. You cannot love the saints and have faith toward the saints if you hadn't been born again. But you can't love the saints and have faith toward them if what's in Christ is not working in you. It's got to be working in you. It's not enough just to sit on a pew and check the box. Hey, well, we made it past 12. We sure did. It's 12.01. Well, time to go. Let's fold it up. Yeah. You've got to have more Christianity than that. If you're going to live up to that kind of character of loving the saints and having faith toward the saints and loving Jesus, there's going to have to be something working down on the inside of you that doesn't come from some book off the Christian bookstore shelf. It's got to be something on the inside that's working. And can I say, I think we have some of that around here. Oh, yeah. I think that's why we got a man outside parking 12 cars and has no idea where he put them. He wants to be good to people. He wants to try to help people. I'm going to do what I can to get these people across the street. I'm going to valet park their car because I love them. And I can't explain it. I don't know them all, and some of them are different from me, but there's, some, <laughs> there's something down on the inside that's stirring around that's making me want to do something beyond my comfort zone. That would help some of you make some friends in the church. Get outside your comfort zone. Section B, right side, three seats back. There's a bunch of people in here that are a blessing to get to know. Right, I I can't wait to get to know Brother Rob more. From Rhode Island via New York. Brother Gron, I can't wait to get to know he and his wife a little bit more. Plus, he's a policeman, and maybe he can help us out down the road. And the more, I, the more I hang around people, go on missions trip. I, I took a missions trip to brother, with Brother Robbie to China. Got to know Brother Robbie a whole lot better than I knew him before I went on that trip. Had a good time. I think that's a good thing. You come up on a work day and you stand up there and you work with a bunch of men taking and throwing trees into this chipper and you're sweating and you're eating the same thing. And drink. You know what happens? You start... You start Connecting, You start befriending. Hey, are you listening to me? Not because you decided I'm going to learn how to influence people and and have all kinds of friends, but because there's something on the inside that makes you love other people because God loves them. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's true of our family, our neighborhood, our country. Don't you think our country would be better off if it was a whole lot less selfless and a whole lot more centered on trying to be good to other people? I remember my dad used to talk about IBM, how loyal they were to their employees. Not today. There's no, there's no connection. There's no commitment. And vice versa. 
It's because there's a, there's a different attitude working in the world than works in the believer. Last thing and I'm finished. <clears throat> so I, I, I see this. Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to get on the altar when we're finished. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching the Bible. When I finish, I'm getting on the altar. I know I need to have more love and faith toward Jesus, and I know I need more love and faith toward all saints. I know that. I'm going to get on the altar. I know that character is defined, and I know that character needs to be effectually communicated. But look at what it produces, and that's where we'll end. Look, look, at, what, look at what it produces. Verse number 7, for we have, you see those next two words? Great joy. Because of a man's character by the name of Philemon, there was great joy produced. And look what else? Consolation. Great con consolation. I looked it up in the dictionary. Consolation means comfort, alleviation of misery or distress of mind, refreshment of spirit. He said, because, because your love and faith toward the brethren and Jesus Philemon, I want you to know there's great joy. There are people that have joy in their heart because of that, and there are people that have been consoled. They've received consolation. Then look at the last thing. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. Do you see that? The, the thing produced from that kind of character, joy, consolation, and refreshment. Refreshment. Refreshment is something, the first time you find it in the Bible is over in the book of Exodus. The Bible says that God, after he created the heaven and the earth, that he rested on that day. But then it says that they are also to rest. So that means that your, your servants are to rest, your, your ox, your ass, uh, your, your, your manservant. All those things are supposed to refresh themselves. Both to rest and refresh themselves. It's kind of the idea we have about vacation. If I go on a vacation, then I can refresh myself. How many of you, by the way, when you get back from vacation are ready to get home and you did not accomplish refreshing? Anybody besides me? Got to check this off, this off, this off, this off, this off, this off, this off. Instead of just being able to sit and just go. I had somebody the other day, they meant to say decompose or decompress. And they said decompose. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that's what vacation is, decomposing. Not refreshment. But if you've ever been on a vacation that you got real rest and you got refreshed, isn't that awfully sweet? What about, a, what about a church that's full of joy, consolation, and refreshment? What about a family that's full of joy, consolation, and refreshment? That sounds like something that would be really desirable something that would be really valuable. But the only way you can get to it is if you allow what's in here to help you have the faith and love toward Jesus and the faith and love you need toward the brethren. And Philemon had it. He had that kind of character. May God help us do the same. Lord, we thank you for your blessings and we think about this story about a, a servant on the run and a man of means that has so many things different from him. And yet now, because Onesimus has been saved, the ground's equal, it's level at Calvary. I pray you'd help us as a church to find that same position, that we would have a love and a faith, not just towards you, Jesus. We appreciate your love to us. We appreciate your Bible. We want to believe more of it and, and not let the world taint that. But Lord, to be able to love your people better, to be able to have faith toward your people, especially people that are different. People, Lord, perhaps that don't have as much light. People, Lord, perhaps that maybe even in some way there's, there's not the ease of being able to do that. God, I pray you'd help us to have that kind of character. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Organ's going to play. If you stand to your feet, as many would like to, you're welcome to join these at the altar and pray a little while. Maybe you need to ask God to help you with the love that you have toward him, toward other people. Maybe you need to ask God to help you with your faith toward other people. Love toward the saints.
See, I don't think I need to hold this this uh, microphone, but this morning we have several that want to come and be a part of Tabernacle Baptist Church. And uh, it's Brother Jerry Johnson. Brother Jerry, I, I'm going to give you that right there. I, Brother Jerry, been to his home, beautiful home, and just um, I don't know how long he's been visiting. How long have you been visiting, Brother Jerry? Been visiting over a year. And uh, this morning said, you know what I want to do? I want to join Tabernacle Baptist Church by statement. So, Brother Jerry, I've heard your testimony, but have you been born again? Yes, sir. When did you get saved, Brother Jerry? About 50 years ago. About 50 years ago. I'll be 72 next month. Be 72 next month. Yeah. Amen. Been scripturally baptized as yes, well? Sir. Anything you want to say about Jesus or the church? I want to thank the Lord for saving me. Like things done upon me and for the people at Tabernacle. I was so excited to come to this church. First time I come here, I couldn't wait to get here to get inside. Because when I was a young man, I didn't live but just a few miles here. I'm here, and I finally got to come, and I just couldn't stand myself. But now I'm, I'm here all the time, and I'll pray to you. Everybody, will pray for us, and we'll be what we had to be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 I guess probably all in favor of taking Brother Jerry in, raise your right hand with that. Amen. And then this is Brother Clifton, Brother Bridges. How long have you been visiting now? Bye. About almost a year. About almost a year. And uh, he, he stopped me this morning. He said, I, he actually stopped me last Sunday, didn't he? Or was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Sunday. Said, yes. I want to join the church, preacher. I said, okay. And, I, and I've, heard you I've heard your testimony, but have you been born again, Brother Clifton? Yes, sir. When did you get saved? 1994. 1994. Did you get saved at home, church, or where did you get saved? I got saved in prison. In prison. That's yes, great. That, you get saved anywhere. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You've been scripturally baptized. Yes, sir. Been scripturally baptized. So, anything you want to say about Jesus or about the church or anything like that? Yes, I love him and I love every one of y'all. <laughs> Amen. All in favor of taking Brother uh, Clifton in, raise your right hand. Amen. All right. Now, gentlemen, if y'all will just step right there, just about, okay, we're going to come by and give you the right hand of fellowship. All right. Um, Randy and Pam Frucci. All right. We probably need to practice that. Can you say it with me? Frucci. Got it? Frucci. Is that right? Yes, right. Come on, try, try it with me now. Frucci. Come on now, y'all are not trying. It's their name. Frucci. Multimillionaire. You want to try it again? Something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This is this is Sister Beth's sister, and I know many of you probably already know that. But they have uh, they have decided to relocate from um, yes. Ohio. Midwest <laughs> and we want to come down here and um, and I, I'm gonna ask a couple questions first. But uh, Brother Randy, have you been born again? Yes, sir, I have. I, when did you get saved? April 16, 1979. 1979. Been scripturally baptized. Yes, sir. Two weeks later on Easter Sunday. How about that? Sister, Sister Pam, what about you? Yes, sir. All right. When, when I was five years old. Five years old. I'm just curious. Who led you to Christ? Do you know? Yes. His name was Marlon Starnes. Marlon? He's in heaven right now. How about that? How about that? And uh, been scripturally baptized? Yes, sir. Amen. I was five years old, and I got baptized on Easter Sunday, too. How about that? How about that? Now... How long have you been looking at coming this direction? Well, I've been in and out of this church for 40 years. I mean, we've come here to visit, but it was back in 2019 19, that uh, I first heard you preach, but I knew I wanted to come here because I'm going to tell you, this church is an oasis in a desert of apostasy. <laughs> The north is, I'm telling you, church, you need to pray for churches in the north because it's really getting bad there. So this place has just been a refreshment for me spiritually to come Amen. here. Family is a bonus. But I knew then when I got out of my business was able to do so, I was coming here. Amen. Amen. Yep. All in favor of taking them in, raise your right hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. That's good, isn't it? Amen. That's good. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you, listen, I know you can go home. We, we plan to eat lunch and have a little celebration today ourselves. But why don't you come by, those of you that are especially members of Tabernacle, let them know that you appreciate that they want to be part of this place. And then after all, all of you that have your valet parking, it's going to take us a little while to get your car anyway. <laughs> 
but uh, I pray, praise the Lord. That's such a blessing. New family members, and we need to love them that way. We need to love them that way. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us, and Lord, we thank you for the love and the faith that we can easily direct your way, Lord, especially knowing what we are and what we've been, what we've come from, and Lord, all the reasons why that you should probably have not to love us. Lord, thank you for loving us. And, and then, Lord, for sending new people this way, Lord, that we would be able to love them and have confidence toward them and recognize that we need to take care of the people you send us, that there's a reason for that. And, Lord, we pray we'd be good stewards of that. We pray you'd bless Brother Clifton, Brother Jerry, um, Brother Randy, and Miss Pam. We pray you'd bless them, direct their steps here, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed.